Washington 20, New York Giants 29. Welcome back to the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, everybody. If you guys haven't already, hit that like button, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or drops. If you're on Podbean, Spotify, those other platforms, please follow the podcast and keep up with us. I apologize for not being on here as much, or at least within the last few days. I was going to do a podcast on Friday, but uh, time limits... I had to record the vlog, we went to Yankee Stadium, but anyway, I'm back on here now, and I might as well get like the whole approach of the league and the way the league played and the way our rivals played this week, rather than just record it on Sunday and be like, oh, well, I don't know what the Eagles are going to do, I don't know what the Cowboys are going to do, you know? <sighs> Man, it sucks that I'm feeling the pain, was it like five days later? Something like that, maybe, maybe not, I don't know, uh, I think it's like four or five days later, I don't know, I'm not going to count right now, but this is a game the Giants should have had, but they didn't deserve to win, and I hate to say it, but it's facts, bad teams find ways to lose, and right now, the Giants are a bad football team, and you know, if the first game was close and the second game was close, you know, kind of like last year, I would take it as more encouraging, but we should have won at least one of those games. But the way they started off this year and the way they're just on the path right now is not good. It's not good. Um, Just like overall thoughts, man. Jason Garrett, he called a good game. Maybe some minor mistakes, but you know what? Can't fault him there. Patrick Graham, I mean, everybody... Including myself was praising him last year for the defense. Well, I don't think he deserves any praises this year so far. I mean, let's see, 30 plus 27, that's 57. If you round that off to like 56, 58, whatever, you do the math there. You split that in two. That's about 27, 28, 29 points a game. It's not good. It's not good. And the total yardage and all this other stuff, you know, the soft coverage and it's not just him the players man they're not doing their job Leonard Williams is not doing his job Dexter Lawrence is not doing his job the whole defense man is not doing their job James Bradbury Xavier McKinney all these other guys the Giants harped on making plays on the defense last year and they did make plays on the defense last year forcing fumbles doing this that and the other thing if Taylor Heineke didn't throw the interception we would have never gotten a chance for that field goal. And we would have never been talking about, oh, Bradbury at least did this. Because he was horrible. He was horrible on Thursday. He was just putrid. Just like the rest of the secondary. But, you know, PFF, oh, they graded him so high at like 80, 70, something like that. Get the hell out of here, please. I don't trust PFF, but that's just, you know, proving my point. That they're so irrelevant that they... Whatever, I'm not even going to get into a whole tangent about it. But Joe Judge, man, it shows you the last drive, defensively and offensively, it just shows you that Joe Judge has a conservative mindset. And if you have a conservative mindset, you're kind of stuck in the, uh, the past, really. You're stuck in the past. Because we've been talking about, oh, well, Jason Garrett, he's conservative, this, that, and the other thing. And we thought last year, man, that, uh, oh, the defense, it doesn't have enough players uh, it doesn't have enough personnel to blitz and stuff like that. Well, what's the excuse now? There is no excuse. Joe Judge, 
Talk about discipline. 11 penalties that cost us 81 yards. Come on. Especially the one that ends the game. I mean, the ball is literally right in front of you and you go off sides. Even if it was, it wasn't off sides, whatever. It's it's over now. It's over now. And we had 10 other, 10 other penalties in that game. So I'm not even going to sit here and say, well, this, this, and this. Really nine penalties other than the offside because TJ Boyd did not hold on that one play. But the refs will be the refs. It was a pretty horrible game for them, I'm going to be honest, on both sides. But uh, let's get into it. So I'm just going to read off some stats right away, go into the key plays, and then we'll get further into it. So in terms of the passing game, this was the brightest spot for both teams. Uh, Daniel Jones, man, had himself a freaking game. About 344 yards total, 344 all-purpose yards. He had two less than Lamar Jackson. You put that rushing touchdown that should have been a rushing touchdown on the board, and then you put Darius Slayton's catch as a touchdown on the board if he doesn't drop it. Man, that comes pretty freaking close to what Lamar Jackson did against the uh, Chiefs. Because he had... I think it was three total touchdowns and two interceptions. Daniel Jones did not turn over the ball. Now, I'm not saying, oh, Lamar Jackson, you know, he's not better than Daniel Jones. I'm not saying that at all, okay? We don't have rights to say that. Daniel has to prove a lot more than just beating Washington. And he didn't even beat Washington because, you know, the defense is the defense. But he could have had himself a really good game. I mean, he did. There's no mistake about it, but if he... Put the rushing touchdown there, and if Darius Slayton opens up his arms and makes a catch, man, we're looking at this at such a different way because it would be a win. Honestly, it would be a win. And I'm not saying, oh, the refs cost us this, that, and the other thing, but it comes down to the players and the coaches, man. Um, but anyway, he was 22 for 32, 249 yards, one touchdown, was sacked four times. I'll get into that a little bit later on because I feel like there's some context that needs to be thrown out there. And a lot of people are saying, oh, the Giants offensive line is horrible. Shut up. Uh, for Taylor Heineke, man, he just torched our defense, 34 for 46, total of uh, 336 yards, two touchdowns, the interception, and one for 16. And his quarterback rating wasn't even good. I mean, Daniel Jones had a 68.5 quarterback rating, Taylor Heineke 35.8. So uh, that kind of reflects on the fact that he made some really bad throws. But once again, he, he did beat our defense, so shout out to Taylor Heineke. In terms of the rushing game, Daniel Jones... Pretty much was the entire rushing game other than a 41-yard run by Barkley, which was encouraging to see. Nine rushes, 95 yards, and a touchdown, 10.6 yards per carry. You look at Barkley, who had 4.4 yards per carry, but you take that away, uh, it's 12 carries for 16 yards, which isn't good. And it's not just on the offensive line. It's on the fact that he's not hitting the holes. He's not cutting uh, when he's supposed to. And listen... I will absolutely root for all players on this team, even Evan Ingram. But, man, Saquon Barkley, if it's past a month and a couple of weeks and he's not producing, we have to have a conversation about him. We have to. In terms of the Washington rushing game, Antonio Gibson, uh, he carried 13 times for 69 yards, 5.3 yards per carry at a 14-yard run, which is the longest and... The rushing touchdown that McKissick had, that was so stupid. That was so stupid. Patrick Graham and the defense, man, you totally goofed yourselves out of a stop, possibly. I mean, you guys can probably visualize this, and even if you don't, you go back, watch the game, watch the highlights, whatever. They're in shotgun. 
they're in shotgun formation. McKissick is on the right side of Taylor Heineke. I think it's the B-gap on the left side of the offensive line. It's Charles Leno, Eric Flowers, Chase Rollier. There's only like one or two defensive linemen there, and they're not even stationed correctly. Blake Martinez isn't behind them. They're all shifting towards the right side for some reason. How do you not game plan to stop that touchdown? You know, I think Scott Turner is smarter than to just say, okay, let's pass it here. You know, they were like the two, the three-yard line. He walked in. He walked in for the touchdown. Unbelievable. That's just lack of awareness on the defensive side. And you could say, well, it's Patrick Graham, like I'm saying. But it's also the players, too. Like, how do you not see that there's only one to two defensive linemen there and he could just plow himself into the end zone? Doesn't make a lot of sense, really. Um, Let's go on to the next thing, which is the receiving game. And then I'll get into time of possession, all the team stats individually. Um, Sterling Shepard had another day. Him and Daniel Jones right now seem to be the offense. Not Darius Slayton. Kenny Galladay is debatable. I mean, the first game you could argue, well, you know, he wasn't involved. Second game, man, we'll talk about him later because he really pissed me off with something. But once again, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Sterling Shepard, nine receptions, 94 yards. Darius Slayton behind him, three receptions, 54 yards. And a touchdown, Kenny Galladay, uh, three receptions, 38 yards. Caden Smith had two receptions. He needs more playing time. He needs more... uh, receptions really he needs to be involved more because he can be so good um you know he could be better than Kyle Rudolph but once again this is you know the New York Giants in terms of the receiving game Terry McLaurin absolutely torched James Bradbury 11 receptions 107 yards one touchdown JD McKissick had 83 receiving yards that's bad and everybody's gonna go back and compare to the Eagle game on Thursday Night Football well everybody's talking about the drop the field goal and these other things, right? Um, the one thing that I think they're forgetting is the big play downfield. J.D. McKissick totally beat Tay Crowder, and he just went downfield almost all the way, and they stopped him. Um, but with that being said, you compare that to the Eagle game, John Hightower just beat Ryan Lewis downfield. So um, I I don't get the I just don't get how it could be so similar to the Thursday night game last year, but we're not going to discuss any more comparisons, I guess. Uh, Logan Thomas, uh, he had uh, five receptions for 45 yards. Adam Humphrey, seven for 44. And also Ricky Seals-Jones, he absolutely mossed Dory Jackson for a touchdown. Uh, great throw, great catch for them. Uh, in terms of individual stats, in terms of team stats like that, in terms of first downs, they had 25, the Giants had 21. In terms of passing first downs, Giants had 10, Washington had 13. In terms of rushing, we had 7, they had 8. In terms of total plays, they ran 5 more plays, they ran 69, we ran 64. In terms of total yards, we had 391, they had 407, we both ran 11 drives. Uh, Giants slightly, 0.2 yards was the difference, they had 0.2 yards more per play than Washington 6.1 to 5.9 in terms of passing already explained it um the Giants you know allowed four sacks for 21 yards uh, only 16 I think it was a 16 yard loss on the Aziz Ojolari sack so shots to him there Giants had 163 yards on the ground 
they had 87. Um, Giants had 5.8 yards per carry. They had 4 yards per carry. Um, in terms of penalties, 11 for 81 yards. They had 9 for 80, so it was very close. In terms of the red zone, they were 3 for 4. In terms of the Giants' red zone, they were 1 for 3. In terms of turnovers, they had the one interception. And the Giants led time of possession, but didn't win the game. 31-44 to 28-16. Now let's talk about the key plays, key moments, key events. Daniel Jones' first rushing touchdown. Love the design run. Giants had a beautiful first drive. Uh, even though you could say, oh, well, you know, the refs chase Young Global. Giants still got down there. And uh, they scored a touchdown. Daniel Jones' designed run. This is what happens when Daniel Jones can be utilized both in the running game and in the passing game. I'm not going to say he's Lamar Jackson or any of these other quarterbacks, but you know what? He's a dual threat if the Giants use him correctly. And if they can win ball games on the defensive side of the ball, which they didn't in, in this game. Um, Nick Gates fractures lower leg on incomplete pass. Man, that sucks to see. You know, Shane Lemieux was put on IR before the game. They called him Matt Squirra, and they moved Gates over to guard. That was that was not pleasant to see, and I just had a feeling in the back of my head. I'm like, this is not going to be good. He's going to be out for the season, isn't he? Because he was laughing. He was in good spirits on the way to the locker room. They carted him off, and he was easily the best offensive lineman last year. Zeitler was inconsistent. Gates was the best offensive lineman, though the media and PFF will not remark it that way. He was the best offensive lineman, and now he's out for the season. So the Giants, in my opinion, now <clears throat> have to go out there and take a chance on a veteran because the way Billy Price played, he played terribly. You can't really finish the season with him. Um, in terms of Matt Skur, you could put him at center, maybe give him some shots. I mean, at this point, you're trying to win games, so you have to make any move you can. Maybe take a chance on Ryder or DeCastro at this point. But prayers up to Nick Gates, man. He was walking two days uh, after being in the hospital. I don't know if he got the surgery yet, but, you know, we'll see. Um, in terms of Saquon Barkley, breaks out for that 41-yard run. Glad to see that happen. But uh, other than that, no running game in terms of anyone other than Daniel Jones, which, once again... Um, it's not just on the offensive line. It's also on the running back, Saquon Barkley. He missed some holes. He missed some cuts and made the offensive line, in my honest opinion, look worse than they actually did in the running game. Giants give up easy touchdown to McKissick. I already said this. How do you leave that gap just wide open? It's a... Lack of awareness, lack of discipline on the defensive side, and Patrick Graham should honestly be ashamed of himself for letting up that touchdown. Um, Daniel Jones rushing touchdown taken away by the CJ Board holding penalty. Um, you know, that was not holding. That wasn't holding. I was screaming and yelling at the TV, but then I learned, oh wait a second, we're still down in enemy territory, but the holding just backs it up five yards, so... Actually, 10 yards, my mistake on that one. But, um, you know, I, I was somewhat fortunate. But they ended up kicking a field goal out of it. <sighs> that sucks. The refs obviously played a part, but they're not the reason the Giants lost. The Giants are the reason they lost, you know. Um, Darius Slayton catches 33-yard deep passing touchdown. 
this is what Slayton does when he wants to. He catches the ball. Um, you know, that's that's Darius Slayton, Daniel Jones connection. Going back to the rookie year, they had like, what, eight total touchdowns? Something like that uh, thrown in between each other, whatever, seven, eight total touchdowns from Jones to Slayton. I want to see that connection again. I do, but Darius Slayton, as we're going to talk about right here, wide open pass in the end zone. I don't know how you can defend Darius Slayton at this point. I don't know how. He's not the main target of the offense. And you could compare it to the Ingram drop. And listen, that's totally understandable. That's the way you want to do it, sure. Um, Ingram had somebody on him. Darius Slayton was wide open. So, I honestly give less excuses to Darius Slayton on that individual play. But Evan Ingram caused more turnovers by... Setting the ball up like a volleyball and then it being picked off by a defender. You know, that's just the way Evan Ingram was last year. But Darius Slayton, man, you should at least do for it. That way we can know, okay, is he trying to get the ball? Was it overthrown? This, that, and the other thing. If you're blaming Jones for that throw, I don't know what you're talking about, honestly. Kenny Galladay reportedly yells at Jason Garrett or Daniel Jones. I have no idea who he yelled at. It looked like he was yelling at Daniel Jones on the sideline when I was watching him. And I understand, there's frustrations, you're losing, stuff like that. Um, they hugged it out after the game, they're close, whatever. But here's what I'm going to say in-game. Buddy, you had two drops, and some idiot on Twitter is like, oh, well, the other one was hard to catch. Well, he's a 50-50 receiver, and we paid him how much money? Right, four years, like $78 million. So he better be making those catches. He better be making those catches. And then him yelling at Daniel Jones or Jason Garrett. Like Jason Garrett, obviously, going back to the last game, they didn't involve him, you know, till late in the game, garbage time, whatever. But Daniel Jones outperformed Kenny Galladay. And I know you can't compare quarterback to wide receiver, but just the way they played, Jones outperformed Kenny Galladay. He dropped two passes. Sucks to suck sometimes. And I'm not saying, oh, Kenny Galladay's a diva, this, any other thing, but let's not turn this into Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger and Juju and all these other guys that were in that locker room bullshit fest back in 2018 with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, once again, this is just a one-incident thing, I hope, but you do not yell at your quarterback like that. And the media obviously will pick it up and put it in these sorts of narratives, but you know what? You should be yelling at your quarterback, especially when he outperforms you. You know, it's one thing if Daniel Jones was throwing four interceptions and he was missing targets by a lot and Galladay was, you know, not having some easy throws to him or whatever the situation may be. But Daniel Jones balled out. Him and Sterling Shepard were the entire offense. Kadarius Tony unhappy with rolling the offense. He calls the media some clowns. So in terms of calling the media clowns, I applaud that. You know, the beat media got their balls in a twist because... Kadarius Tony called them out, and which is honestly not wrong. You know, the media are clowns, is clowns, whatever you want to say. Because all they do is something happens, they blast them, blah, 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 blah. It's all bullshit. And the problem with the Giants being 0-2 is that you're going to have to hear the national media, the Stephen A's of the world, the Michael K's, the Peter Rosenberg's, you know, talking about this when they don't see the full picture, as us fans do, you know, the ones watching the game and stuff like that. Um, 
you know, that's going to be really annoying within the next couple of days. And the Giants should honestly just make a, uh, just like a series dedicated to these type of losses called 10 Days of Pain. I think that really rings. But serious note, Kadarius Tony man, I understand that he has not been involved in the offense. I truly get that. He's a first-round pick, high value. It's not an undrafted free agent. But don't go on social media posting stuff the day after, you know, this shit's lame, whatever. I don't care if it's meant towards Garrett, if it's not meant towards Garrett. You have to think before you post. That shit follows you for the rest of your life. You have to think before you post. And if you don't think before you post, well, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. And Joe Judge, the disciplinarian himself, will probably not like that. And... I guess at that point, I don't blame him. Because if you have frustration, you talk to Jason Garrett, you talk to Joe Judge, and apparently Tony and Judge had a few words, but, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'm not going to sit here and say this, this, and this. But, uh, you know, I just don't want the distractions. This is supposed to be a winning year. We're only two weeks in. We got 15 games to go. It's not panic time just yet, but... The Giants need to play better, and they don't need distractions like Galladay yelling at Jason Garrett or Daniel Jones or Kadarius Toney going out there and just saying, oh, this shit's lame. Uh, in terms of penalties, let's talk about them. Uh, not too much of a bad thing. Well, not too much of an impactful thing for the Giants, I should say. The first penalty, which was Logan Ryan holding on special teams, it was either him or Jabal Peppers, but that backed the Giants up. Giants anyway scored on the drive. They could have gotten... It done faster, possibly, if they had better field position, but, uh, you know, special teams penalties can happen, especially if you have a special teams head coach. CJ Board, we talked about that. False start on Billy Price. He had a horrible game. He also had, um, it was either a holding penalty or a false start penalty or something like that. Can't happen. Cannot happen. Uh, I get it. First game at center, but he looked just horrible. He looked horrible. Let's be honest about that. James Bradbury, defensive pass interference. Uh, it was close. Obviously, you don't want to have that penalty, but he just got there about maybe a millisecond before the ball got there because he had the hand on, I think it was Logan Thomas's helmet or something like that, or whoever the intended receiver was, and they threw the flag. And I'm like, how is that a flag? But obviously, I saw he had the hand on the helmet slightly before the ball got there. That can't happen. That can't happen. Um, I get... He was trying to be aggressive. Once again, can't happen. Uh, Billy Price, the other penalty I was talking about, ineligible receiver downfield. That was nearly intercepted. And people are saying it's not Jones's fault because Billy Price actually shoved Cole Holcomb back, which made Holcomb actually eligible to swat the pass. And wasn't good. You know, I don't understand how you make that mistake of being more than three yards upfield I think it is I think that's the penalty if you're more than like one to three yards upfield on a passing down that's going to be a penalty if you're an offensive lineman can't happen whether it's stupid or not stupid we have to abide by it and say well that's a stupid penalty for Price to commit you know it cost the Giants five yards holding on James Bradbury he just yanked Terry McLaurin to the ground it was third and seven. I think the Giants got out of it, and it was like a fourth and two. But James Bradbury, once again, yanked Terry McLaurin. It was a first down. Can't happen. Can't happen. And 
James Bradbury definitely does not look like himself. He looks like a 38, uh, 38-year-old James Bradbury. Can't happen. This set of penalties really pissed me off. Nate Solder, false start, offense number 76. I mean, he was literally just asking Daniel Jones 50% of the time what the hell they were doing on offense. It really annoyed me. Um, he may have given up maybe like a one sack or a couple of pressures or whatever. He wasn't that noticeable from what I saw, but I also didn't like the fact that Matt Parrott didn't play. But false start offense. The next play, uh, third and 10, I think it was, or third and 15. No, it was third and 10. False start offense number 78, Andrew Thomas. You know, it's stupid that PFF factors in penalties to PFF grades. That's their narrative. That's their stuff. But Andrew Thomas, you can't do that. Cannot do that. That really pissed me off because two penalties in a row shows that your team is undisciplined. And, you know, last year is pretty much a shell of this year. Or I should say reverse. This year is a shell of last year in terms of the discipline because you saw the Giants very hardly get any penalties. We'll see. Um, Lorenzo Carter offside. This was on the ensuing drive uh, much, much later in the quarter after the Giants kicked the field goal. Basically, Washington going down there to win it. I think they got the first down anyway, but you can't step off sides. That's a D Ford-like penalty. Uh, it was second and one offsides with 37 seconds to go. Can't happen. Can't happen. Uh, Dexter Lawrence offside. <sighs> no, can't happen. Um, I don't care if he was, wasn't offsides. There's a view showing that he was. There's a view showing that he wasn't. I don't know what the truth is. The NFL said that he was offsides. The officials made a correct call. But the Giants honestly did not deserve to win that game. They didn't. It was pretty much a shell or a comparison to that Tampa Bay game in 2019. Where the defense was horrible, the offense was doing the best that they could, and, you know, kind of compared to that game. Because the Giants did not deserve to win that game. Uh, what's his face? Matt Gay missed the field goal. Uh, Hopkins missed the field goal, but offsides. Then he makes it, and then Washington wins it. That's that. Uh, stock up, stock down. For stock up, Daniel Jones. Uh, total of uh, 344 all-purpose yards, only two short of Lamar Jackson. You can't complain about that, really. Uh, if your receiver catches a pass, and if you know the refs don't screw up on a holding penalty, you add two more total touchdowns, and you know suddenly you get some fire in you. I mean, he had fire in him. He had the fire to win. The Giants did not trust him at the last minute, which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes. But, uh, you know, let's see, one rushing touchdown, one passing touchdown, you add that, that's two each, you know, and no turnovers. So, if the Giants win that game, if they don't make those crucial mistakes, we're talking about a win and how good Daniel Jones could possibly be. I mean, we're still talking about that, but we're 0-2 right now. Um, Saquon Barkley, only a slight stock up because he did miss some holes, but that 41-yard run is basically what he needs to do, you know. Uh, Caden Smith, he made a great block on one of the interior defensive linemen, kind of helping out Billy Price or uh, Will Hernandez on the block. But uh, he's another guy that needs to be utilized correctly. But Saquon Barkley, uh, it was nice to see that 41-yard run. It was really nice to see that. Sterling Shepard having another game for himself. Nine receptions, 94 yards, 10.4 yards per catch. 
stuff like that, you know, being the basic security blanket, uh, this could be a big year for him. Big year. Uh, Graham Gano, he was 5 for 5 on field goals. Shouts to him. He was he was good. Uh, Caden Smith as well, two receptions and, you know, some nice blocking in the running game. Uh, Aziz Ojolari, I'll give it to him slightly because I didn't notice him the rest of the game, but he did get another sack. Uh, apparently he's ranked like 21st or 16th among rushers in like rushing percentage. I don't know. I don't care. But uh, he's one of the few players that are actually trying to show up for this team and not collect a paycheck. It seems to be that the Yankees and the Giants, the players that show up are the young players that barely get paid anything. But when, you know, you have players like Leonard Williams and all these other guys that are getting paid millions and millions of dollars, they're not showing up, they're not doing their jobs. In terms of stock down the entire defense, I mean, how could you go worse than last week? Well, you give up a total of three more points on a field goal and basically that. But, you know, James Bradbury, not himself. Logan Ryan, not himself. Adoree Jackson, not himself. All these other guys not playing like themselves from last year. And it's sad. It's sad. And Patrick Graham as well, like, playing soft coverage at the end of the game. We'll talk about that once again. Uh, the O-line, I kind of want to put it on a stock up, but I also kind of want to put it on a stock down at the same time because the Giants faced a lot of pressure, uh, especially Daniel Jones, with the fact that Nate Gates went out, Shane Lemieux was already out, they put Billy Price at center, they put Bredesen in left guard. You know, the offensive line was making a lot of changes within the past few days and they allowed three sacks in the first half they allowed one in the second half so I would say that's an improvement uh Daniel Jones definitely did have some time in the pocket of throw which is a positive improvement once again it probably wasn't the cleanest pocket but you know what Daniel Jones made his time worthy used his time wisely and made some very good plays um, so Billy Price was probably the worst out of them. Second worst probably being Bradison, Solder, Thomas, once again, was one of the better players on the offensive line. Maybe like two bad reps in the running game, two bad reps in the passing game. But once again, you know, he's, he's playing like the left tackle we want him to be. In terms of the notes, Giants opt to run the football on the first two plays after the Bradbury interception. Once again, this goes back to what I said earlier. It's not just Jason Garrett, it's Joe Judge. It's Patrick Graham as well. They call those plays because Joe Judge has the conservative mindset. Um, I don't know how, and I understand a little bit of it, that you don't want to make mistakes and that you want to, uh, you know, just like end the game. But the problem at that point was Washington had all three timeouts plus the two-minute warning. That's basically four timeouts, if you will. The Giants needed a first down. And, you know, there was one play where Saquon didn't hit a hole. But once again, Daniel Jones had a great game up to that point and still had a great game. Why are you not letting him win the game for you? Why does he not get another passing touchdown? Why does he not get another pass other than the fact that Sterling Shepard drops a pass, though it was behind him? You know, why doesn't he get that opportunity? He can show you at different points that he is the franchise quarterback. And I understand, you know, in conservative moments, he will make mistakes with the fumbling issues and the interceptions. But you know what? We can't be caging him. We can't be holding him from making mistakes anymore. It just can't happen. And in these sorts of situations, you go back um, 
something I talked about a couple of minutes ago, kind of peaked at a little bit. After the field goal, soft coverage, everything under, you know, everything under them, the yards after catch, stuff like that. That's Taylor Heineke and the Washington football team biting at the defense very slowly. You know, if they get five this play, five the next play, you're allowing them to move downfield even more where it's man. If you're playing man, you're aggressive. Uh, you know, if they hold up in coverage, they hold up in coverage. Then we can blame the player. I mean, we're still blaming the players now, but we could just blame the player while Patrick Graham is actually being aggressive. We can't be conservative because in that case, well, we gave up the field goal and they won the game. So I don't get the conservative mindset. Patrick Graham you know, he deserves a lot of blame in the last two weeks. Same thing with Joe Judge. Jason Garrett obviously got a lot of uh, disgust from the Giants fans last week. Well, this week he should get a pass for right now. And I want to see that offense moving forward. I don't want to see, well, the stick routes and stuff like that. But, man, Garrett did have a good game plan. The players, or at least most of the players, Daniel Jones, Sterling Shepard, some of the other guys executed on offense. Multiple penalties, no discipline, whose fault is it? I think it's both Judge and the players because he preaches discipline, he pe- he preaches a 60-minute play, he preaches all these other things, and, you know, the penalties hurt us. The penalties hurt us, not just, you know, the lack of execution on defense and Darius Lane dropping a pass, and even if you remove that C.J. Board holding penalty. Dexter Lawrence offside, Lorenzo Carter offside, the false starts, that's why the Giants lost, in my opinion, other than the fact of the lack of execution on defense. The penalties can happen. Can happen if you're in these close games. If your team is going to play close like this and if you're going to have a conservative mindset, you have to avoid the penalties. And you have to teach your players that it's wrong to step off sides. It's wrong to hold. Whatever happened to that tennis ball drill, uh, it seems like they're not doing that anymore, I guess. I don't know. Um... A lot of money, little production, Bradbury, Williams, Logan Ryan, Adoree Jackson, where are they? Adoree Jackson, in my opinion, had a good game until that Ricky Seals-Jones touchdown. (sighs) Unbelievable, unbelievable. And this will fall back on the players, this will fall back on the coaches, this will fall back on Dave Gettleman, as it should. It's a three-way street, oddly enough. So, uh, Jason Garrett, already mentioned, called a good game, 29 points on offense, And that would be a lot more points if the Giants executed in terms of barely any penalties. If Darius Slayton doesn't drop a ball. Because Graham Gano, he did have a good game. He did kick five field goals. Yeah, you know, oh my god, the offense is not executed. This and the other thing. No. If at least the Giants score two more touchdowns, add seven, two more times... And take away, uh, let's ideally go with one field goal, I think. Yeah, one field goal. Because you take away the field goal, which makes the score 26. You add another 7, which would be 33. You add another 7, that's 40. Giants win with 40 points. So, it may seem very radical, but... You know, you think about it, you do the math, it makes a lot of sense. Daniel Jones throwing Shepard for the entire offense. I mean, that's that's pretty much how it went. Let's be honest. Final thoughts. Um, Definitely a lot of blame on Patrick Graham and Joe Judge for this game, as well as the defensive players. They did not come to play. 
very conservative mindset and this can't happen this cannot happen it, it can't it can't because when you're winning you have to play to win and a lot of people are right on Twitter when they bring a certain play up that play is fourth and one John Harbaugh asks Lamar Jackson hey Lamar you want to go for it? he goes yeah hell yeah they sneak it they get the first down and they win the game against the Chiefs because if they kick the field goal on that play or they do whatever I don't know at what point in the field they were at I'm pretty sure they were on Kansas City territory if they punt it or kick it or whatever they do that's too much time for Patrick Mahomes to go downfield and score that's too much time but they played to win and they sneaked it and they got the first down and they won the game simple play to win the Giants cannot be behind the times. I've kind of been shading it a little bit on this podcast for the last year and a half because I'm thinking, well, you know, this, this, and this, or, you know, the philosophy will change once new players come in. We can't be 30 years behind the times. We have to be in the now. And the game is changing. The game is changing, and the Giants are in a time warp. Um, but with that being said, it's two games. I'm not going to overreact a ton. But I definitely will react if this is the same shit we see next week. Because if we can't defend Matt Ryan, if we can't limit the yards after catch from Kyle Pitts and uh, defend Calvin Ridley, it's going to be a long game for no reason. And we have to win it emotionally once again because of Eli. Because Eli's getting his uh, number retired. So that's it for me. If you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when live stream pops through drops. Follow the podcast. Uh, Spotify, Podbean, all those other platforms. Available on Instagram and Twitter as well. I'm going to try to get some Yankees content cooking. Um, Boys and Big Apple tonight, 8, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please join us. Peace out. See you later. Stay cool. Go Giants and go Yankees.